Tell me about how you came to ministry. Pastor Harold E. Bates, Sr. We basically got into the ministry a little awkward, it's not a traditional way. Back in 19, well, 2010, I started writing a blog in memory of my mom. It sort of helped me get over her passing. I started getting people telling me that, hey, preacher, how you doing? It's like, no, I'm not a preacher. And this happened several times over the next two or three years. So finally, I was out with my wife. She was inspecting a house over in Owens Mound. And I just got through talking to one of my co-workers who passed through. Gentleman was behind him, and he said, well, man, I'll see you tomorrow. And I said, okay. He pulled off, and the gentleman pulled up to the uh, stop sign. He said, hey, preacher. I said, sir, I'm not a minister. He said, well, man, you just don't know it yet. It's all over you. I started praying and asking God, what was he trying to tell me? And finally, he he said, I, I need you to preach. Bring my word. And so I started asking different ministers. Of course, I went and talked to my father first of all. He validated that that was the call. One minister told me uh, it wasn't, but then I talked with another minister, my, my wife's pastor at the time, and he really drove it home and told me, you know, if God calls you, it's that many people have been telling you you were called, they see something. And he told me that night, I see something on you. He said, I'm telling you, that's the call. And his last words before he let me go is, you better do what God is calling you to do. So... That's basically how I got into the ministry. Pastor K.D. Harris. Uh, good morning. I was blessed to come from a lineage of uh, uncles who were in the ministry. And I didn't come to learn about that until much years, many years later into my adult life. So... I began to, around the age of 20, 21, to um, just take a deep interest in biblical matters that started in my college years. As a result, I just wanted to learn more about Israel-related matters that dealt with cultural uh, matters of the nation of Israel and so forth. One day in college, a speaker came to our school at Sacramento City College in California by the name of the Bible Answer Man. He just brought a, a just a dynamic uh, presentation to all the students there. As a result of his uh, beautiful presentation regarding prophetic, uh, mostly prophetic uh, subject matters, I just was motivated to go into a, a, a deep prayer time, uh, especially in the atmosphere of the college life, as uh, you probably well uh, <laughs> reminisce. Uh, so many different cultures, so many different religions, so many different cult cultic uh, <laughs> uh, presences on the college campus. So uh, I, I, I was moved to go into a deep prayer uh, time, and as a result, that came a prompting of the Holy Spirit that the Lord wanted to take me deeper into a walk with him and uh, reveal to me that the ministry, uh, calling to the ministry was what uh, it was all about. I wrestled with it 
uh, tussled with it and <laughs> absolutely uh, was not fully uh, compliant. And uh, after about nine months to a year and consulting with some elder statesmen in ministry, uh, some very wise uh, brothers uh, in the Lord, namely uh, a Reverend Isaac James Jr., Reverend A. Paul Jones, who was a very prominent pastor at that time, Ephraim Williams also in all all in Sacramento except for Reverend Isaac James, he was in the South. They uh, gave me the blessing uh, and confirmed to me that this is what the Lord was was calling to do. So uh, after that, it was just all uh, academic and educational and continuous consultation with uh, those in the ministry who clearly um, had been uh, seasoned uh, with it and um, uh, out of that came the fruition of, 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 of my call to the ministry. Reverend Clifton Bates. Well, came into the ministry really not ever, never ever having the intention of being a minister. Uh, even though my father had been a minister for, for several years, um, you know, a lot of times when you're a minister's child, you know, you you tend to try to run away from that thing that God probably had in store for you from the day you were born. But never really had, like I said, never really had the intention of being a minister, never you know, thought about it. But things started happening in my life, and I just felt that God was talking to me. And, you know, I still continued to run until. Eventually, I just knew I, I really got the the sign from God that uh, this is what he wanted me to do. So I talked to my father about it, and uh, he just advised me. He said, son, if this is what God has in store for you, he said, let me tell you, you better do what God is is telling you to do. Because he, he told me that he tried to run from it for a long time, but uh, eventually things started happening in his life that that he knew that if he kept running, he was going to run into something much worse than being a minister. So, you know, once God gave me the calling, I just followed up and uh, tried to be obedient to, to his will. What does ministry mean to you? Servitude is the first word that comes to mind, which is basically in what the scripture calls being uh, complicit with the attitude of humility. First and foremost, I think ministry encompasses an attitude of giving, sacrificing, uh, totally uh, being willing to uh, be extremely sensitive to the needs of others. The scripture that comes to mind, if you will allow me to uh, use it, is in Philippians chapter 1. Where it says, being obedient, Christ was so obedient even to the death of the cross, gave up his glory position with the Father to come down to mankind and offer himself as a sacrifice for many. So I guess in short, I would say, um, really means to me personally and ministry wise, I guess the, the word I'm looking for is, identify, to identify with ministry means that 
the man of God or the servant of the Lord, whether it be um, the woman of God, uh, a, a young person who is seeking to just get into service with the Lord, a elder statesman. I, I think the idea comes uh, 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 all uh, uh, comes together uh, all in one in one sentence. I would say, uh, and that would be to to be willing to not give up in the process of going the extra mile to assist God's people and others with what their needs are about your own <laughs> things that you necessarily sacrifice, <laughs> you know, and then at the same time to find the joy of, 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 of a life of service uh, as the Holy Spirit gives you strength, grace, power to do. Well, ministry, uh, what it means to me is helping other people, ministering to people. It's not anything that you, that I feel you get into for any type of glory or any type of personal gain. You know, it's not, not anything you get into. I feel that you get into to make a living. It's, I feel it's something you get into to make a difference, make a difference in people's lives. A lot of times it's just by speaking to them through your experience and the things that you've gone through. Just trying to help a lot of just help people from making some of the same mistakes that you made and just showing them that um, if they allow Christ to work in their lives, the, 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 the benefits that, that will come through letting him accepting him and taking him into your life uh, is much better than than being in the streets and being out in the world. Well, ministry means to me is the the outpouring of the word to God's people. And it's a vital responsibility. Not only should you minister to people, you also have to continue to allow yourself to be ministered to. So it's more of a holistic kind of thing to where we are all in this Christian walk together. We are all trying to help each other stay on the right path. And, and it's probably the greatest responsibility that an individual can have, I think. People can talk about the president of the United States. He uh, thinks about the welfare of the country. But a minister, pastor, apostle, bishop, we talk about putting that person in the welfare of people's soul. And that is, I mean, it's one of the greatest responsibilities that a person can have. And it's not something I play with. You know, I, I don't play with God, and I know God don't play with us. But it's an honor for a God to just call you into the ministry and I think that's you know that's the ultimate uh sacrifice and it's almost like you are up on the cross with Christ and you're sacrificing different aspects of your life for uh the will of God and that's that's just exactly what it is and everybody tell you otherwise I don't know why they into the ministry it's about saving people's souls and that's just bottom line how does faith impact your everyday relationships? Faith, the acronym um, that we teach for faith is forsaking all, I trust you. Now, with that, uh, it's not easy. It seems on the surface that getting up in front of uh, people to speak or conducting a forum or uh, going out into the open air and just witnessing and, and getting on television or radio, I can do that, I can do that. But faith comes into play with it says, uh, without me, you can do nothing. 
we have to uh, retract and regress and uh, retreat to the spirit of humility again and to say, uh, I can't do any of the ministry responsibilities unless I have my connection with the power That power source has to be God. It has to be his grace. It has to be his mercy. It has to be his love. And it has to be his forgiveness. So faith says, or faith is, uh, to me, the attitude of understanding from God's words perspective that without faith, it's impossible to please. You must have uh, confidence uh, in the fact that it's not you, but it's God's love, grace, power, and strength that can take you through the uh, test, the trials, and even the victories uh, can come out of Faith is the foundation of Christianity because you're being asked to believe in something you have not seen, you have not heard, you can't touch, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. So it doesn't, faith doesn't respond to your five senses, which is how we are made up. People respond, or we as human beings respond to things that our five senses respond to. Well, faith is, is beyond that. It's, uh, you no, know, the scripture says, is, uh, substance of things long for the evidence of things not seen. And you just trusting that what is in your heart and in your mind is real. And you, you trusting and you depending on an entity that does not respond to those five senses. And that's, that is deep. That's, uh, a commitment to something that, uh, every once in a while when things go a little troublesome in your life, People say your faith wanes, and it does wane at times because sometimes things in this life test that faith. Wow. <laughs> if the foundation of it is good, it is hard to knock it down. As Jesus said, on this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against against it. So no, whatever you come up against, if you have that good foundation of faith, that's what guides and directs your life. Wait, faith. Um, affects my everyday relationship. I think it was, it took some time. It took some time. It was a, a work in progress of building your faith. And I think a lot of people experience that same thing. But once you've gone through some things and you see how God brought you out of those things, that's what builds your faith. And, and then you, you, you get so used to God just being there for you and doing for you that you know, it, it's it's not hard to to have faith that whatever you need, that he's going to supply whatever you're going through. He's going to be there to help you through it. You know, faith is just it, it's it's a it's a it's a step by step process of, of of getting to the point where you you just can rely on God and know that uh, that he's going to be there for you. What would you say to someone looking for faith? I would tell someone who's looking for faith, first of all, I would find them some scripture in the Bible. I usually tell people to read Psalms 91. Then from there, uh, I would give them a series of prayers. There's some prayers that you can give individuals uh, and uh, directing them on to just throw themselves and surrender to God. Some teaching, 
of course, and get them to have dialogue with other believers. We attract things that are like us. And the more you can interact, that's why the fellowship of Christians is so important. Because if you get away from the fellowship of Christians, you can get off into this world and you'll be attracted by the world. When you fellowship with other believers, even if you're looking and searching for something to grab onto, sometimes it's just that mother, that brother, that fellow Christian on the pew or on the telephone call or on the intercessory prayer line who can help build that faith. So it's about constant contact with believers, especially experienced believers, because I know as a youth, one of the things my parents made us do, and I know my wife, uh, parents made us do was every Sunday we had to be in Christian Youth Fellowship. And Miss Sotos was a dynamic person who would just test you about this, that, the creeds and the whatever in the, in the church. And they would have gatherings. They were Christian gatherings. And so from there, you learn to love to be around people without, without all the other stuff of the world involved. We used to have potlucks and things like that. So I would tell somebody looking for faith, be in constant contact with believers, especially experienced believers, because you don't want to walk with somebody who's on the same level you are. Y'all can't teach anybody anything, but get with some older believers who are averse in the word of God, who can, you can ask questions. They can keep you uplifted. And uh, that in itself will help create that foundation for you uh, if you're looking for, truly looking for a faith wall. Great question. I would say to them, look first to the experiences that you've had already in life. You had nothing to do with your birth. It just happened. You had nothing to do with your growing up. You had to have the assistance of others to feed you, to <laughs> to believe that these people had your best interests at heart, that school teacher that you sure did believe <laughs> helped you to get to that next grade level, uh, uh, that, that, that doctor that you first saw for the first time that you trusted is giving you the right <laughs> medicines. Look to your personal experiences first and foremost. The natural faith leads you to spiritual faith. It's a, a one step, two step. You believe first that by God's grace, he surrounded you with the necessary influences uh, to get you up to the point in life where you are now. And now, trust him. Call on him. Well, Lord, you got me here for a reason. And you surrounded me with all these influences for a reason, some positive, some negative, but even the negative ones, I, I, I can, I learn from them. I could grow from those. So now Paul, the apostle Paul gives us this verse in Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lived in me. But I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What he is saying especially in the B portion of that verse is the life that I now live. I can't get up without you. I can't eat without you. I can't uh, put my clothes on without you. Uh, uh, I, 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 I can't uh, go out and do work, work without you. 
I can't make proper choices without it. The life that I now live, I want to live by the faith of the Son of God, by the trust I want to have in the fact that you, Lord, are going to continue to give me the same blessings and, uh, and the same help every day that I need to make it in this life. <laughs> without him, we can do nothing. And then secondly, uh, without him, Hebrews eleven six, 6, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's where I would say a person that's seeking faith. Draw from your personal experiences. Know that if God was good enough by his grace to allow you to get to the point where you are in life, you might as well just go ahead and put your trust in your faith there. <laughs> that he can take you further, especially in a, a relationship that's going to lead you to nothing more. Growth, productivity, and ultimately to heaven. Uh, what I would say to someone that's looking for faith is just reflect. Reflect on the things that you've gone through and see where you are in your life and that's just that's your that's your stamp that God has God has been there for you. You know, you a lot of these things you wonder how you gotten out of yourself. Just reflect on it and see that there was God was standing there. God was with you. Things that you've acquired in your life. See how you know how it took you to get to those things. Just know that that God is is always there for you. You know, faith is it's it's really not hard to have faith because all you have to do is just look at the things that, that have gone on in your life. And you know that a lot of those things happen because of you, but you didn't come out of those things because of your, anything that you did. So, you know, it's, it's, it's faith and it's all it is. What makes you happy? What makes me happy is first pleasing God. That's the first thing that makes me happy. When I know that I've done something, and God has shown me that it was pleasing to him, then that makes me happy. Secondly, what makes me happy is seeing my family happy, seeing the things that they are doing in their lives to glorify God. You know, that's, that's what makes me happy. Uh, a lot of times people weigh happiness on material things, but like they say, the, the saying is that money, money don't buy happiness. Happiness comes from your heart. It comes from within. It comes from, from doing for people. And it comes from giving back to God the things that he's given to you. That's what makes me happy. I was so happy one of the first times that I uh, was able to go to a Stephen Wonder concert. <laughs> that made me very happy. Uh, and the second time I was blessed here in Memphis to witness a Stephen Wonder concert. I was, I was really happy. The first time that I was able to experience a relationship with someone who I really, really, really was blessed to uh, come to fall in love with, my wife, at that time, uh, I was happy. The fact that I have come to grow or uh, to love young people, that, that really makes me happy. I, I, I grew into it. I didn't automatically have that. But the challenges, the education that you can learn from them, the many different uh, facets of their uh, changing personalities uh, just just keeps you interested in uh, what makes them tick. 
And a final note on that is that to see the rewards of fruits of them getting be, being able to get to the point where they can be productive. That makes me happy. Lastly, I would say that uh, my understanding of the scriptures from day to day, week to week, year to year, and it continues to increase, gives me joy. It's a spiritual joy that I really, really uh, have come to appreciate. Theology, the apologetic subject of the defense of the gospel, uh, Pauline letters, the books of poetry, uh, so many other uh, subject matters when it comes to uh, uh, understanding uh, deep, really deep uh, things of what brought about those men of God that God used in the scriptures to get to the levels where they were and the challenges always makes me uh brings a joy that if they could do it <laughs> then I can I can do it too. Lastly, I, I can appreciate uh life itself uh and I thank the Lord for it because uh, uh after uh, my prostate cancer diagnosis um, and uh, for almost four and a half years now, uh, to this day, still having uh, to constantly um, believe the Lord to um, give me the victory in that area. Uh, I'm always happy when I go to the doctor and they say, you're good, you're good. <laughs> so, as recently as just last month, so to God be the glory and thank you for the rest. Life and food. <laughs> I I love uh, life, just the sounds, the wind, the air. Uh, fascinated by the weather, thunderstorm, the interactions, uh, little babies, toddlers walking. Uh, I like seeing older married couples as they grow old together. That that's that's when you see life in its fullest because. Uh, I tell folks all all the time that I've been with my wife. Uh, I've spent more time with my wife than I have with my parents. And to spend a lifetime with somebody and to watch life come up around you and your children and your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews and your in-laws, and you see life start to expand. And as you get out into this world, you start to see. That's one of the reasons I like to drive in this country is because you can see the beauty of this country. You can't see it from the air. You can look at the top of trees, but you can't see the nuances of how God has put this panoramic mirror up for this canvas for us to see in the mountains and the trees and the green grass, the snow. Uh, one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen in my life was on our way uh, to Washington, D.C. for uh, President Obama's inauguration, snowing. And up on the hill was a whole herd of deer. And uh, the other drivers out there in the snow saw the same thing that we saw. And somebody honked their horn, and you could see all the deer running the same direction all at once. It was, that's the little nuances of how, and you start to, just have a greater and deeper belief that there's an entity that created all of this, created this life. And then you start to imagine, well, I've started to imagine how if this is beautiful, how eternal life is going to look. So this panoramic view that we call life 
and the nuances of it, the sounds, the smells, the taste, the interaction. That's that's what it's all about. And without that, I don't see how people can be a hermit and live by themselves because you need that interaction with one another in order to enjoy this thing called life. Thank you.